Good morning and welcome to City Hope Church. This morning, Pastor Peter Pilt will be bringing a message titled, Tell Them to Go Away. Let's pray as we open the word this morning. Father, we just thank you, Lord. Just even in a short time, Lord, as we open the word now, God, I pray that there's a, a spirit of revelation, Father, in the, in the house. God, that you would, you would stir us, Father, uh, we ask in Jesus' name. I want to just preach, I'll just preach for 15, 20 minutes this morning. And uh, if you've got your Bibles and you want to open, uh, open them up to Matthew chapter 14, and verses 13 to 20. Uh, it will also be on the screen as well. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by a boat to a deserted place by himself. When the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them, and he healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not have need to go away. You give them something to eat. And he said, bring them, bring them to me. Uh, sorry. And they said to him, we only have five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke it and gave the loaves to his disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitude. So they ate and were all filled. And they took up the 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. So this is the feeding of the 5,000. And... The disciples come to Jesus and, and they're presented with a problem. It's getting late. The, the crowd's hungry. And so they say to Jesus, send the multitudes away. Like, tell them to go away. We, we don't have the resources. We don't have the, 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 uh, the capability, the capacity to feed them. And so tell them to go away. And, and I, I find that very challenging because we can look at the problems in Logan and we can look at the problems in the South Pacific and we can look at the problems in Uganda and we can look at the problems, the, the, the poverty problems in Fiji, and we can, we can think that the, the issues are so big that our only response is, tell them to go away. The enormity of the problem can paralyze us from doing anything about the problem, even, even in, a, in a small way. And the disciples here were saying to, to Jesus, tell them to go away. So the challenge that I want to ask you today is what happens when your Christianity becomes inconvenient? What happens when, because of your faith, because of the stirring of your heart towards others, it becomes an inconvenience or it becomes a cost? The disciples were saying, we, we don't have the money. We don't have the capacity. Tell them to go away. And, and listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And on, on uh, others offering day, we, we, will, we will bring, in, in terms of the enormity of the problems that we're going to be injecting ourselves in, we will bring five loaves and two fish. Is it, is it two fish and five loaves? Five loaves and two fish. That's all we're bringing is five loaves and two fish. But in the hands of the master, much can be accomplished. And there, so this little boy, he had to give his five loaves and two fish in order for the miracle to happen. But he could have sat on them. And he could have said, well, you know what? It's, what, is, what is five loaves and two fish among so many people? I'll just keep it to myself. But we have the opportunity to sow our five loaves and two fish into the other's offering and allow the influence to go out. 
And our theme is Others and Influence. Our, our, our theme this year is, is around the idea of dominoes. Because yet we just, we just tap one domino. We just, we just give our five loaves and two fish. But the influence goes on to the next one, goes on to the next one, goes on to the next one. And in the hands of the master, much can be done. What happens when your Christianity becomes inconvenient? I want to read a poem. It's one of my favourite poems. Uh, actually, I don't really read poetry, so it's probably the only one. <laughs> just, just thinking. I don't want you to think I'm a great lover of poetry. I mean, you can, but I'm not. But anyway, let's, I'm, I, I digress. Let me start again. I'm going to read a poem. It'll be on the screen as well. Thanks. Before the cathedral, in grandeur rose, at Ingleburg, where the Danube Danube goes. Before his forest of silver spire went airily up to the clouds and fires. Before the oak had ready a beam, while yet the arch was stone and dream. There, where the altar was later laid, Conrad the cobbler plied his trade. It happened one day at year's wide end, two neighbours called in on their old-time friend. And they found the shop so meagre and mean, made bright with hundred boughs of green. Conrad was stitching with face shine, but suddenly stopped as he twitched a twine. Old friends, good news. At dawn today, as the cocks were scaring the night away, the Lord appeared in a dream to me and said, I'm coming your guest to be. So I've been busy with feet of stir, strewing the floor with branches of fir. The wall is washed and the shelf, shelf is shined, and all over the rafter, the holly twined. He comes today and the table is spread with milk and honey and wheat and bread. His friends went home and his face grew still as he watched for the shadow across the sill. He lived all the moments over and over when the Lord should enter the lowly door. The knock, the call, the latch pulled up, the light and face, the offered cup. He would wash the feet where the spikes had been. He would kiss the hands where the nails went in. And then at the last would sit with him and break the bread as the day grew dim. While the cobbler mused, there passed his pain a beggar drenched by the driving rain. He called him in from the stony street and gave him shoes for his bruised feet. The beggar went and there came a crone, her face with wrinkles of sorrow sown. A bunch of sticks bowed her back and she was spent with the wrench and rack. He gave her his loaf and steadied her load as she took her away as, as she took her way on the weary road. Then to his door came a little child, lost and afraid in the world so wild. In the big dark world catching up, he gave her the milk in the waiting cup. And led her home to her mother's arms, out of the reach of the world's alarms. The day went down in the crimson west, and with it the hope of the blessed guest. And Conrad sighed as the world turned grey. Why is it, Lord, that your feet delay? Did you forget that this was a day? Then soft in the silence, a voice he heard, lift up your heart, for I kept my word. Three times I came to your friendly door, three times my shadow was on your floor. I was the beggar with the bruised feet. I was the woman you gave to eat. I was the child on the homeless street. There's a, a story in Matthew 25, the parable of the sheep and the goats. And if we really understand what that scripture is saying, it has to change the way we treat others. To, to summarize it up, basically Jesus tells his parable, he says on the, on the that the, at the end of time, when all the nations are gathered, he said he's going to separate the sheep on one side and the goats on his other. And he says to the sheep, 
You get to go to, into heaven because when I was thirsty, you gave me water. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was in hospital or in prison, you came and visited me. And, and, and they're surprised. They say, well, Jesus, when did we feed you? When, when did we give you water? When, when did we ever visit you? I mean, we did a lot of stuff. We did barbecues down the skate park and we did acts of kindness and, and, and we visited people in high but, but Jesus, when did we do it for you? And Jesus says, in the fact that you did it to the least of my brethren, you did it to me. Then he turns to the goats and he says to the goats, you get to go to a lost eternity because when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. And when I was thirsty, you didn't give me water and you didn't come and visit me. And, and, and the goats are just as surprised as the sheep were. And the goats say, Jesus, whenever did, we, like, whenever did we ignore you? Like if we had known it was you, we would have done stuff. And Jesus says, and the fact that you didn't do it for the least of my brethren, you didn't do it to me. Now that's, that's an alarming story. Because what that means is that the way that I treat others, Jesus takes that as the way that I'm treating him. Like that's really alarming when you think about it. So the way that I treat people in my world, the way that I treat people on the M1 when there's lots of traffic and someone won't let me cut in, that's Jesus in the car. Oh, you'd think he'd be more gracious, but... But what, a, what, an alarming, what an alarming thought. Because we come, we come to church and we treat Jesus like he should be treated. We worship him. We honor him. We come around communion. We, we remember his, his death. We, we, we treat Jesus as Jesus. But then we go out into the world and we treat others like people. But Jesus is saying that we have to treat others like they're Jesus. That's a challenge. That's a big challenge. And I think about the disciples. Tell them to go away. I think about some of the, the excuses that they could have come up with. Here they are. They can fix it themselves. Their hunger is now inconvenient. Haven't we done, Jesus, haven't we done enough for them already? Like we've, we've, we, you know, we, we kind of had this spontaneous rally. You've healed the sick, you've taught. Now we've got to feed them as well. We've done enough for them. We don't have enough resources. We don't have the time, Jesus. 12,000 people here. We don't have enough time, Jesus. It's getting late. Why is it our problem? It's a good question. Why, are, why is issues in the South Pacific, why is poverty in Fiji our problem. The disciples might have said, Jesus, you're tired. You've had a tough day. We're your, we're your posse. We're going to protect you. They could have surrounded him and kind of hurried him off because, Jesus, you're tired. Or maybe it's, Jesus, we're tired and we've had a tough day. <laughs> Jesus, we're in a deserted place. Tell them to go away. Now, there's other people in the Bible, other characters in the Bible that also offered up excuses. When Jesus called them to do something for others, they offered up excuses. Like Jonah's a classic. Jonah uh, is called by God 
to go down to Nineveh and preach repentance to the 120,000 people that were in Nineveh. And instead, Jonah turns around and goes to Tarshish. And Jonah, by his actions, was, was, was telling Ninevites, go away. I, I, don't, I, don't want to, I don't want to preach to you. I'm going down to Tarshish. So here are some of the actions of Jonah. Number one, he had, he had an indifference towards the lost. Jonah 1 verse 3 says, But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So there's a, there's a it's like, it's a mini great commission. Jesus, uh, uh, God says to Jonah, okay, go, go down into Nineveh and preach the gospel. And, and, Jonah didn't want to go. It was inconvenient to him. So he goes in the opposite direction, telling them, telling them by his actions, go away. So that's a challenge for us. What's our heart toward the lost? What's our heart toward the Great Commission? The second action that Jonah showed was he actually showed a, a, a prejudice toward the lost. First was he was indifferent. Now he's actually prejudiced towards the lost. In, in Naaman, uh, Nahum 3 and verse 1, he, he, it talks about how Nineveh was known as, as, as a bloodthirsty city. I mean, it was, it was brutal. The, 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 the leadership down there was, was so brutal. They, they, they would often chop off the hands and the feet of their captives just so that they would be in pain. And, and, and there's, there's stories of, 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 of piles of skulls of, of where people have been murdered. Like Nineveh, Nineveh was not, not a, a nice city. And Jonah knew that. And Jonah goes, you know what? I would rather disobey God than go down to that horrible city and tell them about Jesus. There was a prejudice towards the lost. And I think we've got to be careful that, we, that, that, that somehow we don't kind of almost get an arrogance about us and go, well, we're, we're here in, in, in City Hope Church. And the lost are out there and they're doing all manner of, 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 of wicked stuff. So we'll just sit, stand in here and have a kumbaya session because God's with us. And there can be subtle ways that that, that, that that can be portrayed in our lives. But we've got to be very careful that we don't. How else did Jonah tell his people, to get, tell, tell the, the, the guys to go away? Was he had misplaced passion? Like he, we, we know the story, he, he's fleeing and, and uh, God sends a big storm. And the storm is so bad that the, the ship starts to break up. And so Jonah says to the guys on the ship, if you throw me overboard, you guys will be saved. In other words, Jonah was saying, I will sacrifice my life for your 12. But yet he wouldn't go down and sacrifice some time for 120,000 people. And so again, we have to be very careful that we, that we have our passions aligned with the passions of God. See, even later on in Jonah's life, in Jonah 4 and verse 8, he had great passion about a plant. Listen to this. And it happened when the sun rose, that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and he said, 
it is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, it is, right for you, is it right for you to be so angry about the plant? The plant died. And he said, it is right for me to be angry even to death. So Jonah's sitting in the sun. God prepares a plant to, to give Jonah some shade. Then the plant dies. And Jonah is so passionate about the plant that he's, he says, when, when God challenges him on, on whether his anger is right, he goes, it's right for me to be ang- angry even to death. Well, like what a crazy statement to make when he didn't have the right passion to go and preach to 120,000 people. Now, ultimately, we know that he did. And we know the rest of the story that, that the Ninevites repented and God saved them. So Jonah, while initially he said, tell them to go away, ultimately he did an amazing thing. In fact, Jonah was actually buried in Nineveh, which is now Mosul in Iraq. Um, did an amazing thing. So other people in the Bible that offered up excuses, that, that, that said, tell them to go away, was Moses. God comes to Moses and says, hey, Moses, I want you to go down. There's, there's, there's a million people in Israel, uh, sorry, in Egypt that, that their, their pain and their, their, their cry has come up to me and, and I want you to go down there and I want you to tell Pharaoh to release my people. And Moses just, just is there and starts offering all these excuses. Well, God, I can't do this because, you know, who am I to go down there and, and Pharaoh's not going to listen to me and, you know what, I can't really speak and, God, I'm, I'm, I'm intimidated and, God, I'm afraid. And he offers all these excuses up to God. Tell them, by my excuses, God, I'm telling them to go away. Now, we know the rest of the story that ultimately he did go and God used him in a mighty way. Then there's the story of Gideon, where God comes to Gideon and and says to, to Gideon, hey, Gideon, I want you to go down and fight the Midianites because they're, they're coming against my, my nation of Israel. I want you to go down and fight the Midianites. And Gideon, he, he, he fires up. He fires up and says, in fact, I'll read it to you. Uh, Gideon chapter 6 and verse 13. Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Do not let the Lord bring us up from Egypt. Or did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt. But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. And so he's basically saying, I'm not going down. And, and he says, I am the least in my father's house. My father's house is the least in the tribe of Benjamin. And Benjamin is the least in the 12, in the 12 tribes of Israel. What Gideon was saying was, I am the smallest, most insignificant person in the entire nation of Israel. That was his excuse. And by, by, by that insecurity, he was saying, tell them to go away. I'm not going to do it. I'm, I, I, I'll get someone else God because I'm not going to do it. Now, ultimately, we know that he did and that God gave him a great victory. So whether it be Jonah, whether it be Moses, whether it be Gideon, or whether it be the 12 disciples, because ultimately they also fed the 5,000, 12,000. The issue is that, that when, our, when our Christianity becomes inconvenient, our first reaction can be, Tell them to go away. We're going to offer, offer up some excuses. It, 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 what, what can City Hope Church, what, what can a little church do in, in, in Logan, in, in Bean Lee? 
That's right. But there can be a sense though, in, the, in terms of the enormity of the problem, the enormity of issues that, that we, we are going to inject ourselves into. It can be what, what good is my $100 or what good is my $500? But in the hands of the master, five loaves, two fish, 12,000 people. As you guys come back, I want to encourage you to start to really think through how you can get involved in the other's offering. And, and you know, selling money, selling money is an inconvenience. Selling money is a challenge. None of us have got too much, but it's a sacrifice. And we're sowing into people that Jesus takes that is the way we treat him. Let's pray. Father, we just ask you, Lord, that as, as we head towards the other's offering, Lord, that you would, you would guide us. God, challenge us. God, we don't want our Christianity to become inconvenient. Lord, we don't want to tell others to go away. God, we want to be involved in the mission of God. Father, help us, we pray. As every head's bowed, every eye's closed, maybe there's some people here today that don't know Jesus. And I'd love to give you the opportunity right now to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Saviour. There is an eternity of heaven and hell. And what we do with Jesus on this side of the grave makes all the difference on the other side. Is there anybody this morning who put their hand up and say, Peter, pray for me. I need Jesus in my life as my Lord and my Saviour. Anybody this morning just want to give this opportunity? Thank you, Father. Well, church, we are we're going to finish off with a, with a praise song. Have an amazing week this week and uh, be blessed. Look for opportunities to tell people about Jesus, to tell, tell people about your testimony. Bless you. Let's stand as we finish off this morning. Stay and have some food and fellowship in our cafe. Uh, that would be awesome. Hope you enjoyed that message. Have a blessed week.